Prisons are the places where we end up keeping the poor and uneducated, mostly people of color, whom we don't feel we can teach on the outside or offer jobs and job training. We need to lock them away, out of sight and out of mind. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. You know, Cindy, lately I've been thinking about prisons a lot. I mean, I usually do, but lately I've been thinking about them more. When I reflect on it, I, I really have trouble understanding the whole idea of locking people up. I mean, most people. Me too, Julie. We were brought up thinking that all bad people should go to prison, period. We didn't really think about it beyond that, or at least I didn't. No, we didn't. It's true. Before we were old enough to understand, we learned that locking people up in a cage is what we do when they don't behave. So did you ever think about why we even have prisons? Why they came about in the first place? Well, we've been wondering about that, so we thought we would look into it today. All right. A long, long time ago... Back before we had prisons, there were jails to lock people up until their punishment. The jail itself wasn't the punishment. It was just a holding place. It still is. Yeah, a mix of people were getting locked up in jails way before the 1700s, including people who did minor things or were waiting for their trial or until they paid a fine, which, if you think about it, can be hard to do from jail, especially if they were in there because they were broke and didn't pay for something. There you go. So jail included homeless people, people who owed money, sex workers. Jails still hold people just to get them out of the way for a bit, get them to sober up, pay some money, stuff like that. Right. So jail was basically a short-term holding cell, not a place of punishment. But now it's become a long-term holding place. Before prisons existed, criminals were still punished. But the main forms of punishment were capital punishment and corporal punishment. Most things back in the day were a capital offense, even adultery and religious offenses. Breaking society's rules could be punished severely, like by stoning or hanging. Well, I guess you don't really need long-term jails for those people. Suppose not. And then over time, the punishments became just a little less harsh so that less serious offenses were punished with corporal punishment, like whipping or branding instead of full-on hanging or stoning. In the 16th and 17th century, banishment was also a punishment. So corporal or physical punishment was meant more to cause physical pain than to kill somebody. It involved things like beatings, whipping, or even branding and mutilation, as well as public humiliation. For some reason, people thought, and they still think, that when someone does something they don't like, that person needs a physical consequence. They need to feel physical pain. A lot of parents think that, too, sometimes. Yeah, I don't understand the connection. But anyway, capital punishment was originally called judicial homicide and is now referred to widely as the death penalty. Which I'm sure you've heard of. Capital punishment is now reserved for capital crimes, 
which include things like murder, treason, genocide, or the killing or kidnapping of a congressman, the president, or a Supreme Court justice. People awaiting their capital punishment wait in prison. Most states don't use corporal punishment the way they used to mete out what they considered justice. Now it's viewed as inhumane. You know why, Cindy? Because it is inhumane. (laughs) Though, interestingly, (laughs) in some homes and schools, corporal punishment in the form of spanking and paddling is still common and is legal all over the U.S. and in most other countries. But long-term incarceration wasn't always used as punishment. And in some places, there were even rules against that. Hmm, Imagine that. Laws against keeping people in cages. But compared to corporal and capital punishment, the idea of imprisonment as the punishment itself actually seemed more humane and made a lot of sense to people. When the idea was first rolled out over 200 years ago, prisons were controversial and they still are. In the beginning, they were pushed as a humanitarian step forward, as a much more effective and humane way to punish people for bad behavior. The first actual prison is the Massachusetts State Prison that opened just after the American Revolution. Then came Connecticut and then Pennsylvania in 1794, all over a span of about 10 years. Those were the first three state prisons ever. And the most immediate rationale for prisons was that in the view of prison reformers and politicians at the time, the existing punishments weren't doing their job of deterring crime. Right. A big concern was that corporal and capital punishments were actually causing more crime. You know those history book pictures of people coming out to watch floggings or hangings? Well, some would actually be inspired by that to go out and hurt people. It's kind of shocking, but they actually enjoyed observing the pain of others. People do. It's so weird. Yeah. So prison advocates thought that instead of that, prisons would be a good way to deter crime. People would hear all the scary stories about prisons and the thought of being locked up with other bad people would scare them into never committing a crime. And at the same time, now we're talking late 1700s, early 1800s, there was this movement to reform jails because the conditions in jails were just terrible. There was a lot of fighting and corruption and disease. We needed a nicer place to cage people. So again, prisons sounded like the answer. Nicer cages. Another idea for the humanitarian aspect of prisons would be that instead of physical punishment, people could get rehabilitated. It was thought that prison would take people out of bad environments and could offer a better alternative. For example, an alternative that took you away from a family that wasn't treating you well or from access to drugs and alcohol. People could learn to work, get some education, and even some religion in prison. Looking at these rationales for prison, it's clear who prison was built for. Assuming criminals were not educated and had to be trained to work meant that it was assumed most prisoners would be poor and uneducated. And that those are the people committing all the crimes. And in fact, prisons are the places where we end up keeping the poor and uneducated, mostly people of color, whom we don't feel we can teach on the outside or offer jobs and job training. We need to lock them away, out of sight and out of mind. That's awful, Cindy. And an added benefit to locking people up, the first prisons all had 
Hard labor built in. Factory-style labor camps were an actual model for prisons. People who were pro-capital punishment argued that prison wasn't harsh enough. But pro-prison people argued that prison was more severe, so it would be more of a deterrent. You can't scare people with the stories of people you kill because they're not around to tell them. But people surviving imprisonment can talk about how bad it is. Yeah, it's like a marketing plan. (laughs) Great one. And on the other hand, locking people up was seen as more humane than killing them. It seemed preferable to punish criminals in a long-term, kind of slow-drip torture kind of way. Nobody had any idea what would happen when you put people in cages long-term. Sentences in the early days of dormitory-like prisons typically were a couple years. They weren't life sentences, and people did think they were more humane. For one thing, they started out cleaner and better run than jails since people had to live there and not just be held there. That meant that, at least initially, there was also less disease being spread around. But people started getting concerned that having prisoners live together was helping them learn from each other and become better criminals. Right. So that's one reason the idea of solitary confinement grew. Solitary confinement was sometimes used as punishment. And in some cases, like in the Eastern State Penitentiary here in Philly, solitary confinement was used for every prisoner. They all had their own single cell and saw no one. It actually drove many people to have psychotic breakdowns. It was meant to help them meditate on their crimes. Over time, prisons have morphed and tried various models, different sizes and functioning cells, education, try some labor, some counseling. They've tried a lot of things. Yeah, just the idea that criminals should be living behind bars is so ingrained that whenever we look at the failures of prisons, we don't look at the problems of the prisons themselves. We look at the model we're using or the way it's implemented or the lack of resources, or we look at the people running the programs, but we keep assuming it's still the best thing to keep people who commit crimes behind bars. No matter what we try, the effectiveness and humanity of mass incarceration fails. Prisons are supposed to do a lot of things, and we're not sure they do any of them. The truth is, many incarcerated people need mental health services and other kinds of care. That is so true, Cindy. I have seen numbers where, for mental health, it's like 85% of incarcerated people. It's ridiculous. But you know what? People that aren't prisoners like prisons because it just takes criminals off the street. It's sort of a simple formula. But the truth is, prison does not stop people from reoffending, and it becomes a revolving door for people who have very unstable lives. People are not safe in prison, and we're not safe because people are in them. After all this time and all the attempts to make changes and improve the effectiveness of prisons, they don't do a good job of rehabilitating people either. They also cost a ton of money, and it's not clear that it's worth all that. It doesn't seem to be. It seems kind of clear it's not. Aside from keeping undesirable people who have behaved badly in a dark, depressing place that makes their mental health worse, where none of us has to think about them or worry about them, what do prisons do? Evidence for whether prison deters crime is mixed at best. Mostly what experience and research tells us is that if you want to prevent crime, intervention has to be proactive. Well, now, Cindy, that makes sense. 
give people and families care and support, safety and opportunities. And guess what? This is a simple formula. Most people would have no reason to commit crimes. It seems like this should come under the topic we've talked about before, which would involve seriously reimagining our society and community safety. That would include looking at the systemic racism, discrimination, and built-in structures we have that contribute to crime and punishment in the first place. Yeah, there are social policies that can actually help prevent crime, like education, a basic income, childcare, healthcare, early childhood nutrition, all of these things that have to do with the way we live together in society. They lower crimes in general, they lower crime. When you think about it, it's so obvious. Society could redirect the money spent on caging people and put it into supporting people. And once people do time in prison, they face challenges on the outside after they get released. They carry the label of being an ex-convict, which comes with discrimination and poor treatment every step of the way. And they don't qualify for certain government assistance. They're prohibited from certain jobs, including jobs they train for in prison, ironically, They have a hard time getting jobs because of background checks and all kinds of fees and fines that they need to pay. Plus, they have a hard time finding a place to live. Who wants to rent to an ex-convict? And so they struggle to transition to the outside world. What do you think these barriers lead to? Desperation and repeated offenses. Exactly. We don't have the answers, you and me, Julie. No. But we can see that prisons keep failing and we keep using them anyway. Mass incarceration disproportionately impacts the poor and people of color, and it doesn't keep any of us safer. Prisons have become places where we end up locking up mentally ill and poor people. That is correct, Cindy. Most people who are in prison suffer from mental health ailments. If they didn't before they got in, they certainly do after being there for a while. Prisons are supposed to do a lot of things, like punish and rehabilitate at the same time. And they have little money and other resources to do any of it. Maybe prisons can be better. But really, what would that even take? It doesn't seem like we can start where they are and improve them. And don't get me started on for-profit prisons that the government has farmed out to capitalist business. They make money from incarceration and they don't want it to end. They want it to increase. The fact is, the whole idea of putting people in prison needs to be totally rethought and reimagined, if that's even possible. Well, for starters, the Equal Justice Initiative at EJI.org believes that criminal justice reform, especially ending mass incarceration, is the civil rights issue of our time. They're doing a lot of hard work to end what they say is our misguided reliance on over-incarceration. That's excellent. Check them out. Thank you for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time. Take care.